Hi, everyone. As Crystal said, my name is Amanda, and I'm one of the leaders of House Group as well. And we're going to talk about hunger tonight. But before we start, um, when I was thinking about talking about hunger tonight at the house group celebration, I was talking to one of my friends who lives in New York and has come to house group just a few times, but isn't really involved because she's living out of the state. And I told her that we were going to, that I was thinking about talking about hunger and I really felt like God was putting that on my heart. And immediately when I said that, she like freaked out, like, oh my gosh, I've like really been thinking the same thing too. And God's been giving me a lot of like revelation and speaking to me about hunger as well. And just started going on and on and was so excited that like she'd even talked to her mom and a couple of her aunts about hunger. And she kind of made action plans of next steps to take with how like she felt like God was speaking to her. And after she got so excited and told me all of this, she started telling me how she wanted to just like get some self-control with what she was eating and she's trying to model in New York. So she really wanted to like choose wisely and have good portion controls and not overload on the sweets. And so at the end of that, I was kind of confused because I was thinking about talking about spiritual hunger and she was talking about physical hunger. So just before we start, I want to make sure we're all on the same page that I want to talk about spiritual hunger, hunger for God tonight and not maybe food right now. So I'm glad that we we got that covered before we started. So in September, toward like the end of September, um, I was driving back to the church on a Sunday afternoon-ish because I'm um, in Sockham, which is the School of Kingdom Ministry here. Is anyone else here taking that class too? Yeah, it's a really cool class where we come and watch a teaching and um, Wilson and Shauna and Steph are doing a great job leading and facilitating that, but we're just kind of learning how to live a lifestyle more like Jesus did and a lifestyle of evangelism. And it's really awesome. And we're learning a lot. And so I was on my way back to the church, um, around like five in the end of September. So it was still sunny outside and warm out. And I stopped at the gas station on the way here and I just got my gas and started pumping it. And I went inside to pay and I've kind of gotten in a habit of every time that I have a cashier, at a gas station or the grocery store or something to try to like listen to what God is saying about them or offer to pray for them or something like that. So when I went up to the cashier, I thought it was going to be a typical interaction that I usually lead, but I felt like God was reminding me of something that I had heard earlier that day. Um, And so for church that morning, earlier on that Sunday morning, um, Jennifer, Luke, and I went to watch Wilson speak at a church in Mason at a different church. And one of the really cool things that he said was, he was talking about praying for people and evangelism. And he said, evangelism is spelled L-O-V-E. And so that thought came right back into my mind when I was walking up to pay for my gas. And so the gas um, cashier, um, I just felt this compassion to love him. So I just asked him how his day was going. And he said it was okay, but nothing great. And I just told him that Jesus loved him and wanted him to know that. And he kind of nodded and stared at me, like most people would do if you say that to them. Um, Strangers, of course. And then I just um, asked that if I could pray for him, that he would just have a great rest of his work shift and day instead of just, okay. So I got to pray, or when I asked him if I could pray for him, he said, yeah, but I don't know how to do that. And so I just told him, you just stay here. I'll just pray for you. You don't have to do anything. So I prayed for him and left and went back out to the car. 
So when I was putting my gas hose away, about to get in the car and drive off to Stockholm, I really felt like God like nudged on my heart and said, hey, he didn't know what you meant by that when you said, can I pray for you? So maybe he doesn't know about me. Maybe he doesn't know about Jesus. So then I was on it and I wanted to go back inside and talk to him and make sure that he really did know about Jesus. So I got back in line inside of the gas station and where there had already been a lot of people gathered and finally got to talk to him again. And I asked him, I asked him if he had heard that before. Have you ever heard that Jesus loves you before when I just said that? And he was like, no, I haven't. And so I was really excited when he said that. And I got to tell him that Jesus loved him and had a plan for his life and was wanted to just let him know that. And so then um, I got to tell him that. And then there are more customers coming in. So eventually, after about 20 minutes, I got to share with him all of the gospel in little four time segments of going up and telling him, oh, Jesus wants to be your peace. Oh, okay, someone else needs to pay. I'll just wait and watch. Jesus wants to give you joy. Okay, I'll just wait a second. And so I just kept kind of going back and forth until we finally got it all out there. And then the, the I kept praying the whole time too, like, okay, no, I got, I need people to stop buying gas. I need people to stop buying gas. So finally it was empty and he was able to step away from the counter. And um, I asked him if it, Jesus living in his life was something that he wanted. And he said, yes. And he prayed right then and accepted Jesus into his life. And it was really cool. Yeah. Praise God. So that was really cool. And since that first interaction in September, I've gotten to lead three other people into accepting Jesus into their life, just strangers in public. And so it's really cool to see how much hunger that first interaction gave me to continue to see that happen in my life more and more. So that was a really cool um, moment where I really, yeah, that was definitely hunger for what God was doing around me. But what even, what is hunger? And so hunger, we know the physical hunger that my friend in New York was thinking about, just this desire for food or the need for food. But another definition of hunger is a strong desire. And so if we're having like, this strong desire, I really think is a way that we can have a strong desire for God, a strong desire for what he is doing and for more of him. And Jesus, in the Bible, he talks about being the bread of life. I think that's a really cool comparison because he knows, Jesus knows that we need bread to survive. And he knows that we need him to survive. He, we, he knows we need food as much as we need him. So in John six thirty five, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus knows that he is the key to that. He's the key to satisfying our hunger, and that with him, that is the only thing that will satisfy it, that he's the bread of our life. And so a little bit before Jesus said this in John, um, we're going to just back up and look at what was happening before what led Jesus to say this. So in John... um, Jesus and his disciples were traveling around and they were healing sick people. They were preaching the gospel. They were kind of um, causing some commotion. People were seeing what was going on. And so there was quite a gathering following Jesus and his disciples where they went. And so as they were traveling, and we're going to read in the beginning of John 6, but as they were traveling, this crowd was following them. And I guess the disciples weren't super used to what Jesus was doing, like healing the official son, just this official son was sick and Jesus just healed him. And Jesus earlier was at the wedding, a wedding, and he turned water into wine when they ran out of wine. So the disciples are seeing these things happen, but maybe it wasn't 
super normal to them yet. So this crowd was following Jesus and it was nearing lunchtime and some of the disciples were starting to get worried because they didn't have enough food or they didn't have any food for lunch and they knew they didn't have enough money to buy food for this whole crowd. So the disciples were getting worried and um, let's just pick up in John 6, 8, if you want to turn there with me. See what Jesus and his disciples are doing. So verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And they, when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, fragments that nothing may be lost. So this was clearly a miracle that Jesus performed. This was a physical, tangible miracle when they only had so many loaves and fish. And he multiplied them to enable to feed this huge gathering of people, 5,000 in number following them. And I think that's awesome. That's so cool that Jesus did that miracle. But I really think there's something else that Jesus was kind of demonstrating and um, showing us in that, in that story. And so a, a prophetic act is kind of something that happens and that you can do in the physical realm. So like the physical realm is where we are. So like tearing this piece of paper would be a physical act. But in a prophetic act is a physical act in this realm that affects something in the spiritual realm. And so I think that as Jesus was breaking this bread and giving this bread to all of the people, I think that really was a sign of what Jesus was going to do and what he was going to change in the lives of us and of the people of that each person can have the bread. Each person can have Jesus inside of him and not just the priest who goes into the temple to make the sacrifice and be in the presence of God, which was how it used to be. And so I think that's really cool that Jesus is giving this bread to each person. Like, we all can have Jesus. So, yeah, that's really cool. And um, so we're going to pick back up in John six twenty five. So we're skipping ahead a little. So everyone got the food and they were satisfied. They had loaves left over. And the disciples are still here with Jesus, still trying to understand and figure out what everything he does is all about. And so we're going to pick up in John six twenty five. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, why did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So Jesus, so let's just stop there for a second. Jesus is saying in verse 26 to the disciples that they ate the physical bread, but that it didn't satisfy them. It satisfied them. They ate their fill, but they're still seeking him. They still know that they need more. And so from getting their fill, from eating this tangible bread, they're still not even completely full. And so then in a couple verses, throughout the next couple verses, Jesus goes on to tell the, the disciples, he kind of starts to change the way that they think. Because in a lot of their ancestors had really relied on this manna of God, this bread that God provided for them. And they were, were relying on God for physical bread. But since Jesus came, Jesus was on the earth, that's the real bread that God was sending for them. That's the bread that they really needed. 
And so Jesus here is beginning to change the way that they look at that and change the way they think so that they know that, okay, Jesus is what we are hungering for. Jesus is what is going to satisfy us. So Jesus is, yeah, he's teaching them this. So let's jump back in at verse 32. So Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, so verse 34, they said to him, give us this, sir, give us this bread always. And so that's really cool that the disciples are, they definitely got that switch that Jesus was trying to help them make right there. They knew that now, okay, Jesus is the bread from heaven and we need that always. We need to continually, continually have Jesus be our bread and have Jesus fill us and satisfy us the same way that we would eat bread one day, but need bread the next day to fill that hunger again and eat bread the next day and need that hunger again. They're realizing, okay, we need your bread always. We need Jesus as the bread always. And so I think that really this, this is a constant state of hunger that the disciples are living in. And that's a state that we can live in. Sir, give us this bread always. We can learn that Jesus is the only thing that satisfies us, but there's a middle ground where we can know that we're always going to need him and he's enough to fill us, but he's, we're always longing for more and we're always hungering for him to fill us again and again. Yeah. So that's where I think the disciples really got that at that point And they understood that they need Jesus, but they need him always. So how, how can we get this hunger? How can we continually have this hunger and have this longing and desire like the disciples just got um, for Jesus? So I really think that just after getting a taste of what God is doing, um, from getting a taste of what God is doing, from getting a taste of God, it gives us more of a hunger for him. It gives us a hunger for him more. So we hear like the testimonies that Anthony and Celia shared. We hear lots of testimonies of really cool things God's doing amongst these people in this church. That's a taste, seeing that God is working in people's lives. That's a huge taste. Maybe coming to house group or coming to church, going to a church is a taste. You're experiencing God. You're interacting with him. You're feeling and learning about his love and his power. That's a taste of God. Maybe even praying for one stranger in public is a taste. And you're like, man, that is what I have a new desire and I want more of that. So all those things are definitely tastes of hunger. And that can lead us into a deeper hunger. But we want to continue desiring more after those experiences. We don't, we don't just want that one experience to be enough to hold us over. So in John 5, there's a really cool story that there are a couple hungry characters I saw in this story. So in um, John 5, there's a pool um, in this area, a pool of water, probably like a pond or a lake. And, um, it's called Bethesda, and it's a place that a lot of people go, and they're they're getting healed from things there, <clears throat> from things there, and they're getting healed at this pool. And so, a lot of people that are there are blind, lame, paralyzed, crippled, and they're just waiting for their turn to get this healing touch and have their life changed. So there is a man that had been invalid for 38 years, and he was waiting by this pool for his chance to get healed. So we're going to start reading in verse 6, when Jesus approached this pool. 
So when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. So let's just pause for a second there. This is crazy to me. This guy has been waiting here by this pool where there are general pedestrians probably passing by, other people coming, getting healed, and then leaving. They're getting healed and then leaving and going back to their daily lives. This guy is here, invalid for 38 years, and all he needs is someone to pick him up and put him into the pool. And so I really, when I was reading this, I really felt like God was tugging on my heart to continue and to start looking for the people around me that are just waiting by the pool for someone to pick them up and put them in. I'm really sure there's people around us that are so close that they know that they're hungering. They know they want a touch of breakthrough, of healing, and they just need someone to put them in. And I'm capable. I'm not waiting by the pool, so I need to just pull them in. So back, let's go back to verse 8. So Jesus asked him if he wanted to be healed, and he told him. In verse 8, Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, took up his bed, and walked. So instantly his life was changed. Jesus just asked him if he wanted to be healed, and he was healed, and he was fine. 38 years, and then he was fine. Like his life changed instantly. So there's definitely a lot of hunger in this invalid man. He was hungry to be healed. He had this problem with him for 38 years. And every day he just waited by this pool, waiting for his turn. Because he knew that he could be healed. He'd seen other people be healed, I'm sure, and leave. And he was hungry and wanted his own healing, his own breakthrough, his own life change. So as he, every day he didn't stop. He didn't stop desiring this. And even when Jesus asked him... He still hadn't given up. He said he's waiting here by the pool, even when Jesus asked him after 38 years. So sometimes I think we have to be like this invalid man, this man who is an invalid, and hunger through a break in our growth. Maybe hunger through a long period of not seeing breakthrough in order to have our breakthrough in our growth. So if we, so we can't just give up after no breakthrough. We can't give up and just try to go home or want to go home or want to return to however things used to be. But we can keep hungering and keep waiting for that breakthrough like this man did. So Jesus is another character in the story here. And Jesus was by this pool. And I'm pretty sure Jesus probably wasn't trying to get healed. He might have been fine. So he was probably hanging out at this pool in order to heal people. And I think that Jesus had a pretty good understanding of what God was doing, what the Father was doing, and he wanted to be involved with that. So he went to the place where the people who needed healing were. He went to the spot where he knew he could practice healing. He knew he could jump in with what the Father was doing. And so Jesus was hanging out by this pool where people who were lame, crippled, invalid, blind were hanging out. So if he, so Jesus was hungry for what the Father was doing. So if we also can be similar to Jesus, maybe we're in the situation of Jesus where we want to see people have breakthrough. We want to see people get healed. So like Jesus, we can go hang out where the people who need breakthrough, need healing are. 
So I also saw me, I saw myself in this story, and I was trying to figure out where I related, who I related to in that story. So maybe kind of take a second and just think about your life and how, how do you relate in that story? Do you relate more to this invalid man who was waiting and waiting for breakthrough for years even maybe, and still you haven't, you haven't experienced it, you haven't received what you, thought, you think you're asking for, you want God to do? Well, right now, God wants to encourage you to keep waiting for that breakthrough and keep hungering for that breakthrough, that it's coming. That he, want, he is going to bring that breakthrough and that there's no reason to stop hungering for that. Or maybe <clears throat> you need to go to the pool and offer breakthrough. Maybe there are people that, are, that just need someone to put them in the pool, that just need someone to be Jesus, be like Jesus was in this story and offer him that life change instantly. So there are a few ways that I have personally experienced this hunger of just desiring more of God and more of what he's doing. And in my personal relationship with God, over the past couple months, I've really been praying and asking for more intimacy with him and to know him more deeply and just have more, more intimacy with him, my relationship with him. And with any valuable relationship we have, we want to invest time in it and we want to just continue to get to know the, the people that we're in a relationship with. And it's the same way with God. And in the Bible, countless times in the Gospels, Jesus is recorded of going off by himself to spend time with the Father or going off to a quiet place to, pl- to pray or going off alone in the morning, waking up early in the morning to spend time with the Father. And so if Jesus is our default, Jesus is who we are modeling our life after, and he's doing this to spend time with the Father, and he is one with the Father, then that's something that we need to be doing to model Jesus and to continue to be more like him. We need to have this one-on-one time with God and one-on-one time with the Father. And so as I continue to follow this model, follow what Jesus is doing, the more hunger I have for it and the more that I want to keep doing it the next day and the next day from this just this default, starting with what Jesus did, so another way that I've really experienced hunger is through seeing God work in other people's lives and in just around me. So I've really, I've experienced it internally with my relationship with God, but I've also experienced hunger from that, but I've also experienced hunger from watching what God is doing around me and wanting to be involved with that more and wanting to jump in with what he is doing. So sharing the gospel with the man at the gas station was definitely an instance where I got a new taste of hunger and a new desire to go a step further in my daily evangelism and my daily sharing about what God is doing with the people around me and strangers or my friends. And another time that I've really seen God work is um, with a job that I've had the past couple of years. I just, I just graduated from Miami University in May. In the last three years of my time there, I was coaching basketball at the high school in town, um, Talawanda High School. And I got the job through my coach from a different high school. She had tra- she'd gotten the job at the Talawanda High School. And so got, she got to hire me as the JV coach, and that was my first time coaching. And it was really awesome. And the first year... 
I knew a couple of the girls already. Um, the coach, the coach actually had two daughters and they were Christians and I got to spend a lot of time with them and kind of pour into them and pray for them a lot and see what God was doing in their lives. But the second year I was coaching, we really felt a shift just at the beginning of the year of the power that God was moving through the school. And the school had actually gotten a new building that year. So this was the first time the gym had been used by a basketball team. And the first time that there had been a home game in the gym. And so there's a lot of excitement and new freshness. And with that, we really felt a lot of new freshness, that, um, a breakthrough that God was bringing. And so the, so the second year that I was coaching, the first half of the season was going really great. The team was undefeated and we were the first in the conference, ranked like eighth in the state and just doing really well and having a lot of success. But then about halfway through the year, um, a tragedy happened and a student from a nearby high school that we'd been like rivals against and th- a lot of the students at Talawanda knew a lot of the students at this school. Um, one of the students passed away in a car accident and a couple girls in the basketball team were actually friends with her and one girl was really close with her. And so this happened on like a Monday or Tuesday of the week and we didn't play until that Saturday. And so there'd been time to process and We had breaks from practices and things like that. But in the middle of the game, this one girl who was really close with um, the girl who passed away, something like broke in her. And she was just in the middle of the game, like the ball was moving up and down the court. She just fell down on the floor and was sobbing because this like suddenly hit her. And so I was technically hired as the JV coach, but I was also kind of hired as like the varsity glue. And so when the varsity team was mad at the varsity coaches or when the varsity team was going to kill each other or when the varsity team was going to quit, I was the one who kind of like pulled them back together and had this like safe big sister role for them. And so when this girl was just in the middle of the game, when she was impacted and was sobbing on the floor, I was able to walk with her in the hallway in the middle of a really important game and just pray for her and minister to minister to her while she was crying and just like really grieving and mourning this loss. And so from that experience, I was like, God really awakened a new hunger in me for what he was doing in the high school. And for the kids on the basketball team that really needed his love and needed, this was a public high school. So they really, a lot of them didn't even know anything about God. So that was a really, really sweet opportunity. Um, And so then after that, so kind of that year, The girls had, I lived in a house off campus um, that whole, the last two years that I coached. And so the girls really loved coming over to my house and cooking breakfast and coming over in between games and before games or just hanging out there because it was like a cool college house. So every time they'd come into my house, we weren't, we didn't have very many rules probably at the high school as we should have about like sharing the gospel and talking to people about God. But every time they're in my house, I would just jump on the opportunity to pray for them or share devotion with them before they left or read the Bible or something. And a lot of it was just energized by that interaction that I got to have with that, with that girl during the game. And now there, one girl became that later that spring, one girl accepted Jesus in my living room of that college house. Later on that fall, the least likely girl we thought would ever become a Christian got baptized. And it's, yeah, it was just crazy. And it's like, all of this is just hunger building. The past year, we had a Bible study with the girls, with some of the girls were just like, wanted to do this, like asked for a Bible study on the basketball team. And so it was just really, really awesome to see God 
bring that breakthrough and what that hunger of the first interaction, getting to pray for one of the girls on the team, what that really brought. And so this hunger, this, this hunger for more of what God's doing and for what, where he's working around, it's an invitation to all of us. God wants us to step in with him and wants us to join with what he is doing. And when we experience this real hunger, like when we, ex- when we get a taste of it and we feel this hunger developing, there's an action that we can take after that. We can step into it and we can ask for more. It's kind of like a cycle. We get this taste and we're hungry and God fills us and then we get this taste for more and we're hungry and God fills us. And so when we feel that hunger, there's an action that we can take next and just ask for more and ask for more hunger. And God wants to give us that. And God is hungry for us too. He's hungry for that to just join with us. And he, yeah, he wants us to hunger more for him and experience him more. And so I'm going to invite the worship team back out and we're going to pray. But this worshiping now is also a really, a really cool next step to just hungering for him more and asking for that hunger and just a great way to respond to him. So God, we just thank you for your love for us and for what you are doing around us. And we want to know your love more. And we want to know what you're doing more. Yeah, so just satisfy our hunger and just bring us into a deeper place of hunger for you. In Jesus' name, amen.